Hey all, this is the Flip-Flop Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Thrapp, an entrepreneur who turned my love of travel into a career. Travel is not just a hobby, it's a way of life. Making it happen can be tough. I'm here to offer practical advice to make travel more achievable. This isn't just about my journey, it's about inspiring you to pursue adventure and explore the world on your terms. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome to the Flip-Flop Experience. I'm Leah Thrapp, and I'm here with my special guest, Kim. Thanks for being here today, Kim. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have Kim here. She is my dear friend and partner in my other adventure in life, which is Love Packs, our nonprofit that we work on together to feed kids. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, yes. Thanks for having me, first of all. Uh, Love Packs is a nonprofit that's focused on feeding children when they're not in school. So we pack food for them to take home on a long weekend or a holiday, and we've been doing it for eight years now. I know. We just realized today that we had an anniversary last month. I know. We forgot to celebrate. And we forgot to go to dinner. We need to treat ourselves to an eight-year anniversary dinner. <laughs> <laughs> we actually met in a blizzard, so that was an adventure. One of our rare Texas blizzards, we um, both got voluntold that we were starting a new chapter together, and so we met for coffee at Starbucks, and I don't drink coffee, but we looked out the window and we were like, oh, we better go home and get our children. It is snowing. It so, was. It was snowing like crazy. Yeah, so every time we have a February snowstorm, I think about that, mm-hmm. but yes, whenever I am not adventuring around the world, I'm definitely adventuring and feeding kids, so Kim and I met there, and we have become really good friends, and recently this year, Kim decided to join me on an adventure, and you came with me on your first Europe trip. Last March. Yeah. So after working with me and covering my slack when I'm out of the country in and out all the time, what made you decide that last year was the time to join me on an adventure? Well, it was kind of funny because I I have watched you go literally, I don't even know how many continents you've traveled. And (laughs) I always look at your pictures. I hear about your trips before you go. I hear about them afterwards. But it was just not something that fit in my family to go. And um, my mom and I had gone to a Andrea Bocelli concert and we were watching the beginnings and they had a slideshow and she just casually said I always regret not going to Italy and um, that just stayed with me and I think I told my husband either that night or the next night we were eating and I said you know mom just threw this comment out and he just looked at me and he said well why don't you go and that has like never been a conversation Mm -hmm. I'd never even thought I'd go to Europe he said because if you're gonna go you know you need to go with Leah (laughs) and so he's like I would be totally behind that and so I was like really so I mentioned it to my mom like a few days later and I mean, I think within a week of that concert, we were getting passports and paying <laughs> deposits and we were going to Italy. But it was that fast. I love that so much. So it was something your mom had always wanted to do. And you guys going to concerts and opera and musical stuff like that is one of y'all's things. So mm-hmm. it's crazy that she brought it up that time and not any of the other times. No, and she just even said it in passing. But then I couldn't let it go because I thought, well, that'd be really fun to do that with her. So, yeah, we did that. That's awesome. So when you were there, what made you, you know, what did it, was it what you expected or was it not what you expected when you went to Italy the first time? Like, did you have anything in your mind of what you had perceived that it would be like or how was it different? Well, that's a good question because it wasn't like what I expected. I did not expect to enjoy every aspect of it. And I was looking at some 
travel notes I had made. And I commented on every day's entry that I was in love with the sounds, the tastes, the smells, the everything about it. I loved everything about Italy. I loved every single thing about it. And I was not expecting that. I thought it'd be a great adventure with my mom. And I knew it'd be fun to see landmarks and things that I've always, you know, read about and seen in pictures. But I had no idea that I would just fall head over heels in love with it. From the very first getting off the plane in Rome, I was in love with it. I love seeing people that have that experience in Italy where they, they get there and they just fall in love with each aspect of the food and the country and the sights and everything because that's exactly how I feel and it doesn't ever get old to me. I'm just as excited to be in Italy every time I'm in Italy. So when I get off the plane, I'm I'm just giddy like everybody else and it's it's awesome to see other people share that love when they experience it for the first time. So there were some things when you were in Italy that really caught your attention and caught your interest. What was it? Well, I fell in love with Florence. Mm-hmm. I loved everything about it. I loved the big Duomo. I loved the food. I loved all the little restaurants, but I got really captivated by the whole Medici family. And it's like everywhere we went, the guy just kept pointing out something like they owned this or they built this or they you know, were the patrons of this. And so they just, I just made it a hobby when I got home to read and watch everything about them. <laughs> so I just thought that was just fascinating. They were bankers. They were, you know, investment. They love the arts. It's like every single thing in Florence happened because of that family. Yes, they definitely left a really big legacy for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really fun when you came home and you started reading books and I'd see you, see you at our pantry and you'd say, did you know <laughs> you were reading and collecting all these facts and stories about the Medici? And I was like, oh yeah, that's interesting. Or, and I've always thought they were really interesting too. And I think not everybody on every tour is as interested in it as I am. So it was really fun that we were getting to like learn about it together. So you surprised yourself after never going to Europe. How many months was it before you were back in Italy? Let's see. We went in March. So that was October. I was back in Italy. Um, <laughs> that was really fun. I think you, you mentioned it, that you were going back and you could use a little little help with that. And it took about 10 seconds to say yes. <laughs> and then I texted a friend and said, hey, it looks like I'm going back to Italy. Do you want to come? And she immediately wrote back yes. Mm-hmm. And so then we worked it all out. But yeah, well, twice in one year. Yes, I think you've been um, addicted to Italy now. Yes, I don't know how that you should have a calendar year now without going to Italy. It's really hard to let a whole year go by without needing to make a stop in Italy, for sure. Um, so when you went back, you had, a, you had a little bit of a different experience. You did a little bit of a different visiting, and then you got to really explore your new interests. So tell us about that. Yeah, one of the highlights of going back, going with a friend, is we the first day just stands out immensely. We we flew all night, landed in the morning, and in true Leah style, we went 90 to nothing for the next like 14 <laughs> hours. But we saw Rome. We went to Rome and did everything we could possibly get into to, uh, easily in 12 hours. Went to the Vatican because she had requested that. So we went to the Vatican, had a private tour, ate lunch outside, which we laughed because she <laughs> fell asleep in because we had been up all night long. Well, while, we, while our tour guide was talking. While the tour guide was talking. But we woke her up, and then we um, <laughs> ventured on and took a golf cart tour around the town and saw the some more of the landmarks and fountains, and it was just beautiful. And then we ended the day, um, my request was to go inside the Coliseum, because I didn't see that before. And so we ended the day on the last tour of that, and it was sunset, and it was just amazing. So we're just on a complete high. We walk out of there, and now we're going to go to dinner, and it, the bottom fell out the clouds and it just poured down rain and yeah. we just had to walk we were just walking through Rome laughing because we were soaking wet and stumbled into an excellent restaurant and it was just the perfect day 
We were like jet lagged drowned rats because we actually did all bring an umbrella. However, we had landed and dropped our luggage at the hotel and headed straight out to go on adventures and didn't take anything out of our suitcase. So even though we all possessed an umbrella, none of us had it with us. So we instead just looked like these poor people who had been awake for 28 hours that were now rained and sleepy. And I, I'm glad we didn't take pictures of us at dinner that night. No, that wasn't a good that wasn't a good look. But the waiter was amazing and he brought us in and they just acted like we had just dressed for dinner and showed up and <laughs> we had a great dinner and the best night of sleep ever after that. I don't think I let anyone that I know go to Rome anymore without a golf cart tour with Vittorio because that is always so much fun. He is this fun Italian guy with a golf cart that zips all around Rome and he drives you right up to the site and you can hop out and take a picture. So a lot of times when people are traveling with me, they're going through Rome on their way to somewhere else. And so it's such a great way to see the highlights. You can hop out, take a picture of the Trevi Fountain, hop out, take a picture of the Colosseum, and he just gets you right up there. You don't have to wait in lines. You don't have to walk a thousand miles and it, you can cover a lot of ground really fast. So we did that the first time, actually, when you were with me, the first time we went through Rome. And now I literally, anytime anyone tells me they're going through Rome, I'm like, let me let me hook you up with someone. This is what you need to do because I think it's a new thing that they started after COVID. I don't remember ever seeing a golf cart there before, but I'm a big fan. They do it in Florence now too. So it's really fun. Yeah, he was really fun. He was a good combination of all the history. And then he pulls off and takes us to his favorite little coffee shop in the middle of that. So yeah. That was nice. Was and gets in trouble with the police. And then he, he got in trouble. Yeah. He drives on roads he's not supposed to and argues with them. And but then he charms his way out of it. Everyone yells and waves their hands around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's fine. <laughs> so much fun. So when we were in Florence, we had some free time, and I, I like to allow lots of free time for people to do whatever thing they choose. And in Florence, there's so many choices. There's just a million amazing museums and things to see, and everybody kind of chooses their favorite and goes and checks out art, or some people go shopping. But we had a free afternoon, and you had an idea. Yeah, I just asked if there was any way we could learn more about this family. And then you um, make a couple of calls, and the next thing we know, we have a private tour lined up. And her whole goal was to teach us about the Medici family. Yeah, that was so cool. It was amazing. I think she took us to like four different places and took us inside. And we got to learn a lot about like what their life was like. And you kind of have a hard time telling when you tour Florence at the beginning if they are villains or heroes. Mm -hmm. Because it depends who's telling the story a lot of times, how they feel about the Medicis and the legacy that they left. But it was really fun with her to kind of get an inside peek at why they were doing things and how they were doing things and what their life looked like from the inside, seeing inside the homes that they lived in or even the places they, they planned to be buried and all kinds of things like that. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. And the guides are so interesting. I mean, they just talk off the top of their head and just have all these amazing stories. And you can tell they have a passion for it. And that just, you know, fed my interest in it. But yeah, I could have followed her around for eight hours that day. I know I would have I would have loved to keep going with her. I thought it was really cool. That's one thing that is something I like to tell people that are Americans about going to Italy is that they don't really have, you know, signs everywhere where you can just walk up to a building and read like on this day, this happened like we're used to doing. And so if there's something that you're really interested in, then I always 
always encourage people to make sure that they get a guide. And the guides are extremely knowledgeable. They have to go to school. They have to get a license and maintain it. And they will give you so much information off the top of their head. And they're really, you know, their their information and what they learn, but also their opinion of what they've studied. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, really valuable. If there's something that you want to learn more about, you should always, always hire a local guide. Mm-hmm. And she had no... It didn't matter to her if we went on the next tour or the next museum or whatever. She was just interested. And we there was a building that was about half a block from our hotel mm-hmm. that turned out to be one of their houses. And we wouldn't have even known that. And she just casually points it out. You should do that in your free time. And we ended up going back and spending two hours there. And we didn't even know what it was and we wouldn't have. So uh, there's value in the tour guides for sure. So the first time I went to Italy, I went to Rome. And I was there with my little guidebook that I'd used to plan almost my entire trip. They were able to do some things like book train tickets or um, buy some tickets to entrances online, but you definitely didn't have the plethora of information we have about what to do and how to do it and all the little secrets without a guidebook. You really needed to go to the bookstore or the library to get the info. And I go inside the forum and it's just, there's all these ruins of temples with no labels or signs. And if you don't have at least one label, you don't know how to read your map because there's nothing that means anything at this point. And I remember just feeling really like discouraged and thinking, oh, I'm not going to know anything. And so the next day we ended up, we went to the Vatican and we bought the tickets online to get your entrance. They're very strict at the Vatican that you have to be there before your entrance time or you don't get to go in. And we got off the bus in the wrong part and the walls go all the way around. So you're walking the long way around, you know, we get to the gate and we're definitely going to miss our entrance time. So I'm stressing because I really wanted to go. And some guy says, hey, do you have tickets to the Vatican? He saw them in my hand. And I said, yes. And he said, well, if you're going to miss your entrance time, I can put you on my tour. You won't have to pay for your entrance again, but we'll get you in with the group. And I was like, I don't know if I'm getting scammed or not, but I really want to go in. So sure. So we follow him around the corner to his office and pay him and um, he gets us in. And then once we got in, I was so glad that I was there with a guide because it was the same thing. You go inside the Vatican museums and they are just you could spend a week in there. I mean, there's so much to look at and there's art and history and You know, there's something that's made by Michelangelo next to something that they picked up on a conquest in Egypt, and you just wouldn't know what any of it was if someone wasn't there to tell you. So I learned really quickly that there's so much value in hiring a local person, a local certified guide, especially who's really educated to share with you because you would miss so much that you could learn and enjoy without their help. And that day was true for us, too, because when we got there, our guide the first thing he did was say, there's news, you know, the Pope is going to hold a special oh, yeah. service. And so they're going to close the chapel at noon. And if we go through this way, we won't get to be there. So we're going to do it backwards. And we would have stood in line and then been turned away, which we saw, I mean, hundreds of people that didn't get to Yeah, go I totally forgot about that. But yeah. we went, we did it backwards. So we were like the last group that went inside the cathedral. We were like salmon swimming upstream. We were. I mean, it was wild. The Vatican was packed packed full of people and everyone goes in a certain order there's like a path you follow to get into the Sistine Chapel and and into the church and so he was like if we don't if we do it in the order everybody else is doing they're going to close the doors on those people so we literally went backwards I was carrying the stroller up all these stairs I got such a workout I was sweating (laughs) it was hot (laughs) so we were just going upstream and people were giving us evil looks you know because we're just like cutting through and going against the flow and he was just pushing past and he was talking to people and saying we have a baby we have to go this way and they were opening doors for us and we got all the to the beginning, went inside the chapel, and then saw the museum backwards. And we saw as we were coming out of the church, they closed the doors, closed the and doors. all the people that were standing there got turned away. So that was, yeah, definitely valuable that he he knew what was going on that day. Mm-hmm. And we, we walked through one little hallway 
that we got to go through only because of the stroller. And they were setting up the dinner for a bunch of the cardinals and stuff that were doing this. He literally, they said the Pope decided that day to do whatever he was doing. So mm-hmm. it was all just happening right that moment. And we walked through the hallway and saw him setting up and it was like we were the last people that went through. Yeah. Good time to have a guide too, for sure. Yes. So after we covered Rome and Florence, we headed out to Tuscany, which is my personal, one of my favorite happy places on earth. And I was curious, we've never talked about this before, but I was wondering if you had ever wished to go to Tuscany or had expected to go to Tuscany, because I know you heard me talk about this farm that we go to in Tuscany where we stay. And anybody that's been there knows the food is amazing. The views are incredible. But was it somewhere that had been on your bucket list or your radar before you went? Well, I didn't really have a bucket list or radar because I didn't think I would ever travel. But I did know that Tuscany was an idyllic place. I mean, you saw the pictures of the rolling hills and that just looked like Italy. I did not know when you went that it would really, really look like that. I mean, it just really did. And all your pictures and all your stories, they did not do it justice to me because I just loved every bit of it. I'm glad to hear that I don't overhype it. I'm always a little bit worried with places that I love that I might overhype them. I don't want someone to go and be disappointed. But I have to admit that I personally wasn't super excited the first time I went to Tuscany. And if you know me now, that sounds crazy. But I went there thinking I would go for a day and check it off my bucket list and just like move on with my life because it wasn't I wasn't super excited about it. I just thought like, oh, it's supposed to be pretty cool. I'll go. I'll see it. And then I went and I saw the views and I ate the food and It's interesting in a way it almost reminds me of the beach, how things go slower at the beach Mm -hmm. and people just kind of remember what's important at the beach sometimes and their priorities shift and that's kind of how I feel like the lifestyle is there and so I went and I experienced it and then I... I felt like all those movies that you see, like Under the Tuscan Sun, where you just buy a farmhouse and you never go home, it all made sense it all in made that sense. moment. Like before that, I thought like, I don't know. I don't feel like going to the countryside is, is like where I would, I would just on a whim stay. And then I went there and I was like, you know what? I get it. I could buy a farm and just never go home from this place. I get it now. Yeah, I did too. And I guess that's, for me, you would be that person because you would talk about it. So, you know, that that my expectations and my knowledge of Tuscany would probably come from you and your stories and your pictures. But it, I had the same feeling. It was just like most relaxing. And I think the beach analogy is good. Yeah, it is. It's Because that's what one of the things I love about going to the beach is people just kind of slow down and you you try to enjoy where you are and pay attention and enjoy it. And I feel like they have that similar lifestyle there. I know that that's something you say that you've tried to bring home with you. Tell me about how that's impacted you since you've been home from Italy. One thing that impressed me most about Italy was the way they approach their meals. I love that they focus on each other. You didn't go into a restaurant there and see everybody on their phones. You went and whether it was a couple or a group of friends or a group of men. I remember one restaurant we went in and there was just this group of guys eating lunch for like two hours. Uh And they were just laughing and celebrating somebody and just they had no place to be. And that was kind of what I picked up from how the Italians approach meals is when they sit down to eat, they have no place else to be except what they're doing right then, who they're with and what they're eating. And um, they didn't serve you your meal and your check at the same time. Right. They didn't ask you if you needed anything else because they needed the table. (laughs) In fact, they expected you to slow down. They forced us to slow down. And um, that I did bring home because it made me start asking people to go to dinner again and just sit there and look in their eyes and have a conversation because we just do everything as fast as we can do it. If we're mad, if we're not seated, we're mad if we're not served. Mm -hmm. And they don't even bring their food out at the same time. They bring it out when it's ready. So you all order but they're not going to bring you the same meals. They're not going to let one sit under the heat lamp while the other ones cook. And I just appreciated the approach to that. Definitely, I think it's it's such more of an intentional approach to 
not just the food, which is obviously a super important component, but also to the family and the friends and the relationships. It's It gives them a new meaning to La Dolce Vita, which the sweet life. What really matters is the people that you love and the, you know, enjoying those parts of life instead of it being a means to an end. Like, I just have to eat so I can get to my next thing. I'm just fueling my body. And it's it's just the means to the end as opposed to just really taking a moment and being something that's one of life's pleasures that we should pay more attention to, I think. And they did that in so many ways. You talked about Victorio. I remember we were driving somewhere and we stopped at an overlook and he jumped out of the golf cart and, you know, ran about 20 yards and just bear hugged this guy. Hello. And Mm -hmm. we were like, oh, my gosh, is that like an old friend of yours? And he was like, oh, no, we worked together. I saw him yesterday. But they just (laughs) greet each other because it's like, there's my friend. And that's how they approached everything. And we would walk down these little stone streets with all the brick buildings and everything, but there would be a flower in the window and all that stuff just caught my attention, how they celebrate beauty and they celebrate each other and they love their food and their wine. And I did too. (laughs) (laughs) They love their food for good reason. Oh, yes. It's a very good reason for sure. When you were talking about the Italians loving to really enjoy their meals, it made me think of the last time that I was in Italy I had someone on my trip and she was really suffering from jet lag and we were kind of out out and about that day running around in Florence shopping and doing some things and she was really having a hard time. She needed to go lay down and so we went to one of my favorite restaurants in Florence and we just ordered one course, just a pasta dish, and then we're going to go to the back to the hotel and lay down and so as soon as we finished eating, I mean... Literally, she probably still had a couple of bites on her plate. I went ahead and asked for the check so that we could get her back to the hotel. And the waiter just looked at me with pretty much horror on his face, I would say. And he said, no, sit down. You you need to sit. And I was like, I know, I understand. But she's really tired. She flew in today. She just has jet lag. And he was like, you wait five minutes. And I was like, okay. I guess we'll wait. So she was like, what? He told you no? And I was like, yeah, he just he just really wants us to relax and enjoy it. So we had to sit down and wait five minutes. But I think it would be nice if sometimes people in America would ask us to sit down and relax and wait a minute and maybe just like realize that everything's not an emergency and enjoying your meal is, is a good part of life. So I definitely would take that approach over somebody setting, setting down my steak at a fancy restaurant along with my check and wondering why I'm still here when I still have a couple of bites left. So... I think we could all bring a little bit of that home with us here in America. I agree. When people ask, you know, that inevitable question, it's like, what was your favorite thing about Italy? I don't scroll through the pictures of all the landmarks and statues in my mind. I see the restaurants. (laughs) And I think about, I immediately just think about, oh, remember that one we ate outside on? You know, we're on that hill that was so beautiful with that guy with the beautiful eyes. (laughs) Um, And I remember like the lunch we had, you know, celebrating a birthday, but we just all sat around in the plaza and just ate. And it was just amazing. I remember one lunch, two other people in our party joined us late when we were ordering and the waiter stopped right in the middle of taking our order. And they said, no, just let us you go ahead and order. We'll add that later. And he was like, no. And he went and got like, you know, six kinds of silverware and a plate and napkin. And they weren't even going to eat. And then they felt like they had to order because he he had it had to be all pretty and everything. And I just we don't pay that kind of attention to things. So I think that was the same waiter that I went over and I said, can I just have one more fork? And he said, your desire is my duty. It was the same <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> And I was like, well, okay then. I'm <laughs> going to go sit back down. <laughs> Maybe that's why I remember that restaurant. <laughs> yes, he was taking all of it very seriously. So, oh my gosh, that was so funny. That was a really fun lunch, though. That was. And we were just outside eating lunch. This amazing food. Yeah. With nowhere we had to be. 
Justin and I always, when people ask us that question, you know, what was your favorite, what was your favorite memory? What was your favorite meal from Italy and, or from your trip or from your travels? And we always say that it's really, you can't just make it about like the actual food. Cause usually it, when you think of your favorite food memory, it's usually like the experience that you had. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking about who you were with and what was the surroundings and what was, what were the people treating you like that when you were sitting there, when they were treating you like family or they were, you know, you just, there's so much that goes into imagining your favorite meal or your favorite dining experience besides like the actual bite of food that mm-hmm. you put in your mouth. That's really only part of it. And I think that that's what the Italians do so well is it's a whole experience. Food is always a serious, well thought out, intentional experience. Yeah, I agree. And it's uh, the hospitality. It's not that everything was elegant. It wasn't, most time it wasn't fancy at all. Mm-hmm. But the hospitality, it was amazing. Like we were welcomed. And whether we were at the farm or whether we were in any restaurant, they wanted you there and you enjoyed every bit of it. You got to experience a day at the farm where there was a reason to celebrate with a drink for everything. There was a drink for everything. And it was <laughs> raining, so we couldn't do anything. And so wherever we pretty much sat, somebody would show up with a tray or, you know, ask you if you'd ever tried this before. And but they would sit down with you you Mm -hmm. and just get into a conversation. And so we just went from afternoon celebration to after dinner to evening before bed. They were just crack open the bottle just to celebrate. Right. One night it was you had to celebrate that tonight's your last night. Yes. And then we had to celebrate that the bread maker was there that required us to drink. Well, he'd been coming for a long time, so we had to toast him. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. There was literally in one day there were so many excuses for a celebration or a drink that got to the end of the day and they're like, you're still drinking something? And it's like they keep on giving us stuff. (laughs) It was so fun. So you went to Italy twice. And I know it's a little bit challenging to tear yourself away from Italy when you plan your next trip to Europe, but you're going to, I've encouraged you to try a new place that I also really love. So you're getting ready. And where are you going to go next? Next, I'm going to Ireland in May. I'm really looking forward to that because I don't really know much about Ireland, but, but I'm on for the next adventure now. So I'm excited to see if it sparks any new reading material and, and TV and movie watching. So what we're, we're going to learn from this adventure. Yeah, and then I have to figure out how to get back to Italy because I feel like I need to do that every year. So. <laughs> I know. By the time you go, you'll be almost a year out from your trip. So you're going to have to figure out how to squeeze it back in again. I'm excited for you to go to Ireland with me because I think Italy is my favorite trip to take people on. But Ireland is definitely a really close second. And it was, again, one that surprised me. So it's so funny mm-hmm. whenever you... You have places that you have this bucket list and there's places that you really think are going to be the place you love. And then there's other places that you think like, oh, I mean, it'll be cool, which my husband will definitely tell you that there's nowhere I'll say no to. You could ask me to go anywhere and I'd be like, sure, I can make an adventure out of that. So don't get me wrong that I wouldn't turn down a trip. But there's some places that just really catch you by surprise. And I feel like when they do catch you by surprise, they're more likely to create a special place in your heart. And you just really feel an emotional connection to that place. So I really appreciate you coming in today, Kim. It's been fun to talk with you. And I've loved seeing your travel bug get started. And I can't wait to see what other adventures you go on. Well, me either. I think now that it started, I think we just need to go. I know. Your husband might think we created a monster. Yeah, he does think that, but he's okay with it. He, he's like enjoying it and letting me go. So, Well, thanks for being here and thanks for listening. Happy adventuring. Thanks for being part of the Flip Flop experience. Make sure to subscribe and follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Flip Flops and Adventures.